Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Kicked Back, a home for football fans that want to stay up to date on everything going on in the football world. Join Caroline, Liam, and some special guests along the way as they talk about all the trending news around leagues, players, teams, and much more. Now, all you got to do is get comfortable and kick back because we're about to get started. Episode four of Kicked Back. What's up, everyone? Welcome, Liam and Caroline here. And man, we had a hard time picking topics for today's episode because so much is going on in the football world. I swear, Liam, I wake up and I go on Twitter and Neymar's trending, Mbappe's trending, Lewandowski's trending. I'm just like, what do we talk about? What league? What team? So this this show's a little bit more heavy on, on the prem, but yeah. for obvious reasons. It's back. <laughs> it's, it's back <laughs> I, and it's like, entertaining as hell yeah everything's back i i've all i've been doing is watching football every God, single same. minute of the day and my girlfriend is like okay you want to go outside for a little bit like, okay <laughs> well, let's play let's go play football outside instead I, I listen i totally get it that was like my dad too he's like you don't have to watch you know every game and know everything but i'm like when you're obsessed it's almost it fuels it's you fine. yeah and you yeah. want to you want to know every little detail it's it's an obsession it's funny because like you said we were talking before and we were like well we want to do this this and this so we kind of ultimately decided we're going to stick our european content to thursday yes just because there's so much we want to talk about but so little time to do it exactly no we have so much time on that exactly <laughs> quickly off the top of our show i want to let you guys know about my first pickup game uh, in about a decade i'd like to just let everyone know i'm a washed up it's official i'm a washed You're up <laughs> athlete i have to hang up the cleats it was probably the most brutal performance i've ever had it also makes me once again respect footballers i don't think they get enough credit for mm. how much skill it takes to play the sport but then stanima as well because i was gassed yeah. after 30 seconds i did one sprint and I'm like sub uh, but there was one moment that I would add to my highlight reel okay. Liam, and we were playing this team and I shit you not we were playing against Vinny Jr. This guy looked just like him played like him he was a unit and he had dangles and he was really good but there was an air of cockiness to him that kind of pissed me off. I hit, I feel I, that. You know what yeah, you know what I'm talking exactly about right? what you mean. Oh and I was like okay Caroline you were pretty solid 1v1 defensively go yeah. in on him. So I run into he has the ball I run into the play and just because he's so much bigger than me he really like kind of pushes me off the ball and that really pissed me off because mm -hmm. mentally I'm kind of crazy when it comes to stuff like that in the game and I sprint all the way back to where he is I'm like my eye is on the prize I get behind the ball and it was a very legal tackle because while I pushed him I was also going for the ball mm. but you know again craziness went over I've went over there. me yeah <laughs> we've all been there <laughs> push him to the ground he falls I get the ball all of his buddies are like oh you know how it goes right I'm feeling good 
Vinny Jr. then gets back up to get the ball off of me and we're, we're at it for like about 15 mm. seconds. Uh, long story short, I end up winning the ball. And that to me, I was like, now I can officially retire because I just stripped Vinny Jr.'s yeah. twin of the ball. I, I immediately got a sub and I think I had about five games left in the day and I I barely played because that was <laughs> that was all my body could take because I'm an old woman now. But that was probably my my last career ending highlight. Yeah, highlights. Yeah, done. the highlight reel. That was the last clip. That was it. And that was it. And I'm very proud shelf. because he was very good. But sometimes the cockiness is what makes my radar go off in my head that I'm like, okay, we're going in. It needs to be. It needs to be knocked down. A it needs of to be just a little bit. Yeah. And I think I did it. And then I have a big bruise on my knee, so I paid for it. But it was it was totally worth it. So how did you guys finish in the? It was a little fun side yeah, tournament, right? We made it to the semifinals and we got absolutely torched in the semifinals to what I would say we played like a junior Italian team. Oh, They were really good. Nice. They were also like um, high-level f- hockey players, junior so hockey very players. Very athletic. Very athletic, yeah. very in shape. Yeah. And hockey players are weirdly good at soccer and yeah, football. Yeah, it so is it, strange. It is strange. I don't know if it's the hand-eye coordination or, or what, but they're, they were really, really good. So we, I was happy we took the L because that meant we were out and I did not have to run anymore. <laughs> go home to go watch. Yeah. Literally. Well, I missed the United game, but checking the score (laughs) while I was playing, I was like, holy shit. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, it was a funny one. So I'll, I'll start there with my story. So I was in Calgary this weekend and my um, my girlfriend's sister is a, like a high-end soccer player. She was a captain of the University of Lethbridge. Like nice. In Porter, so she was very good. So I was watching with her and a boyfriend the United game. We were watching and then Brentford scored. Then Brentford scored again and again and again. And she was like... <laughs> Aren't you know you like a good team? I was like, well, oh, man. not anymore. But um, I did catch a live game in Calgary. Okay, yeah, tell Calgary, us about it. Calgary Cavalry. I bought a jersey. I had to. I it's love the it. second game I've been to, and it's awesome. It is so much fun to go to that game. So they play it. Um, I don't know the name of the stadium, but it's an old horse track. Oh, so nice. the horse track. The new one, I believe, is connected still, just in the same facility. Yep. So this thing they've got is a huge plot of land, which is like really spread out. So like the stadium's outdoors, obviously. And when you leave the bleachers, you go down, you're like right outside. Mm -hmm. And there's like this little little lounge area. There's all these like beer chalets everywhere. There's this, it's like a a literal coffee shop at this place. It's really cool. And the game itself was awesome. So I got this to say, I missed the first goal. I'm not going to lie. I was in the beer tent grabbing a beer. So (laughs) out of boy, Liam, you're not a true football fan if you're not doing that. Yeah. So the guy you scored actually used to play for Bolton. Weird. Did you know that? I, so I, yeah, the first game I went to, they, I was watching the game. So his name is Joe Mason. Uh I was like, man, I recognize that game, that name a ton. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, no kidding. So he played for Bolton for a couple of years, and now he's in Calgary. Uh, so he scored the first goal. Then he wasn't a goal until nice. the 82nd, which is very controversial, because everyone thought he was offside. But the gentleman next to me, so I was at the end where they played Forge, which is in Hamilton. So the gentleman next to me pulled it up on his phone, had an instant replay on his phone. So I watched it. Not oh, offside. Nice. Good goal. So shout out to the CPL. Yeah, shout out to that guy. Sorry. And then he was a 90th minute winner from... Uh, I don't even know how to say his name. I'm sorry. Mateo, Mikhail Kantav, I believe his name was. Wow. The guy came across, headed it back across, tapped it into the internet, called offside initially, overruled by the referee. So drama. Drama. But the fans were awesome. Like They got a good little section at the end where there's flags, people are yelling and chanting. So it's all in like metal bleachers. Yeah. So everyone's just like banging the feet the whole game. It's how many really fans loud. do you think? 
honestly, like probably three or four thousand. That's good. It was good. Yeah, maybe that's a, maybe that's high, but it was like it was full. It was busy I and like that. it's so affordable. It cost us like thirty bucks each for a ticket for adults, and we got them like right by the goal where they attacked in the first half. So. It's really fun. Like if you're in one of these cities Love where it. there's a CPL team, like I would highly recommend going. Well, this is exactly why we say we always want North American teams to do well in the World Cup because leagues like the CPL and MLS only benefit from it. Mm. And the younger generations growing up in Canada, in the US, have potentially as they develop leagues to go to and develop and grow as a footballer. It's going to get better. It's huge. Yeah. It's only going to get better, right? Yeah, and they just had a player who signed in England for Luton Love Town, it. so Love it. it's good to see that the league's just developing in that way that teams are looking at them yeah. from across the pond, as they say. Across the pond. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's talk about uh, huh, Chelsea Red Tottenham. Again. And I don't even know where to start with this because when I turned on the TV, I thought I was tuning into the ultimate battle of London. And what we got was WrestleMania 39. <laughs> and I, the bar has been set for the Premier League. And I expect this now, every single game that I watch from the Prem to have some type of element from Chelsea and Tottenham. We had fight, we had intensity, we had hair pulling. We had fights between the managers. We had a 96th minute plot twist. Yep. There was everything in that game, Liam. It was arguably the game of the season. The <laughs> Already, right? Of the season. <laughs> and I, I, do you know the thing I loved about it was, like you said, like the tension of it and like how important the game felt to both teams. Yes. Like, I think tactically Tuchel got it right and mm -hmm. Conte got it right eventually when he switched formations. But it reminded me a little bit of, in a sense of when Wenger and Ferguson yes. would go head to head because they would not like yep. each other and they would do anything to rub each other the wrong way. And I hope the Premier League has that back in Conte and Tuchel. Well, this is exactly how I, why I love Jose Mourinho because when I was growing up, he was a, for a, a while in the Prem and he would always have these hot head remarks or he would do crazy things on the pitch. And it's the element of that entertainment when it coincides with good football, you are watching, it feels like a blockbuster movie. It, yeah, truly. And it, I think that's what made it fun was when the moments, the moments that happened, happened like, like it was scripted. Yeah, like it was so there was the thing after when Conte, was it the first goal or Tottenham score? It was the first goal. I think it was the first goal. Yeah, yeah. so they like go head to head. And then Reese James scored, who was unreal, by the way. I know. Um, and then Tuchel's running down the sideline. And then right at the end, they score. And then there's the whole, like, they both got red cards. Like, I, he was, I can't remember the last time I saw that. Tuchel's no. flexing in a post-game presser. Conti <laughs> sharing stuff to his Instagram story. It's just the drama that doesn't end. And it's just so exciting as a football fan. I remember when that game finished, the, the first thing I did was continuously replay that handshake between both managers at the end of the game and just dissect it. The facial expressions, the anger, the intensity, the teams coming together, the Harry Kane goal. Like, There's just so much to talk about from this game. What I will say is I was really impressed with Chelsea because when that match started, I'm going to admit that I thought it was Tottenham's game. We both had Tottenham. Yes, we yeah. did. Did Yeah, in our in our predictions. Chelsea looked good. Yeah, they, um, they really tuck it to Tottenham and it was crazy to see how easily they kind of quieted the front three mm -hmm. of, you know, Kulikevsky, Kulikevsky, Kane and Son yep. and I want to give like a bit of a shout out to Ruben Loftus-Cheek because when they announced the lineup and I saw he was a right back, I was like, I'm pretty sure that guy's like a center midfielder. And it kind of just gave the reins to Reese James to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And so I looked it up here. Reese James had the most progressive passes in the Premier League this weekend with wow. nine. 
Good for him. Yeah, the other guy, sorry, he was tied for first with um, Cresswell on West Ham. But to do that against Tottenham, <laughs> rather than no disrespect for Nottingham Forest, but like it's a lot different of a level. And the goal he scored was firstly terrible defending from Tottenham. Like they literally just shut off for a second and totally screwed them. But the goal he scored was so good. I'm pretty sure he didn't lose like a ground duel or whatever they call them. Like he was just amazing. And should we talk about the goals and like the refing quickly? Like what yeah, did you think of the two Tottenham goals? Because they were, there was the foul on, the foul on uh, Kai Havertz, which they, Chelsea felt they should have had. And there was yep. the offside. And I'm, I don't know what to really think. Like the offside one, I think is tough to say. Uh, I think, okay, so I'm going to admit that at the halfway mark, and this is crazy, but when you're in a marriage, you have to compromise. Yes. Mike wanted to watch the Bayern game, which was on at the same time. Fair enough. So we switched it over because I had 45 minutes of Chelsea Tottenham, and then he gets to have His 15 time. minutes of Bayern, <laughs> Bayern Munich. So when we switched the channel over, I actually missed the second, the first little bit of the second half. And when I turned it back over, I caught up with obviously the Romero and Cucurea hair pull and mm. the corner kick and the goal. But I missed a good chunk of that second half. So I, I'm relying on your, okay. of what happened in that second half. First half, I thought Chelsea was going to just come out of that game with the win because they were so compact. They're defensively, they were solid. They were doing, as time went on in the first half, Tottenham slowly died off. Yeah. So when they were coming out in the second half, I'm like, maybe I'm not going to miss too much. So that's why I was like, okay, here you go. Change the channel, Mikey. <laughs> so, okay. I threw you under the bus a little bit. Then. No, Sorry. no, absolutely. It was a valid question. So the first one, when Hoiberg scored, there was the, um, the controversial tackle down the field that Havertz got tackled. I can't remember the guy who tackled him. It was borderline. Yeah. Like it could have really gone either way and they even checked it on VAR and it still counted. But the thing that bugged <laughs> me the most about it was that Havertz, because they, so he tackled him, Havertz yeah. was on the ground. I think it was Ben, ben to Curry was the guy who tackled him. Havertz had time to get up and get that ball back. But yeah. instead he chose to scream at the linesman and have a little baby tantrum. In WrestleMania 39. Yes. And it's like, okay, man, like now you're just wasting your own time. Right. And now you want the goal to be called back because you had a tantrum and didn't want to stand up and tackle. So that happened. And then the offside one is interesting because it was almost felt like Richarlison was moving into the ball. Right. And so he, they shot it and Richarlison was screening the goalie in an offside position, but the way he hopped backwards kind of made it feel like he was trying to get out of the way. Right. And the ball went behind him. So he was almost hopping into the ball. So I like kind of understand why that wasn't called off. But I also think that Chelsea had numerous chances this game to put it away. Like I have it here. Havertz had a great chance right in, uh, it was kind of towards the end of the half as well, but when they were still winning and he missed and he was, he, all he basically had to do was put his foot on it and instead he got a shin on it. Granted, it was a good cross <laughs> right into the middle from Reese James. And then Mason Mount had one. Mason Mount was so good. He was so good. So and in the first half, but he had that chance and he just curled it right over the bar. I just think Chelsea had multiple opportunities to win this game. And because they don't have a striker who can score them goals, because Tuchel doesn't want to have a striker and score goals, which we spoke about and fit his system into that way. They didn't win the game because of that, not because the refereeing wasn't good. Well, let's talk about refereeing because Chelsea fans woke up on the Monday and chose violence. violence. 
asking people to go to change.org to sign a petition to basically never allow Anthony Taylor to referee a Chelsea match because they've said he's had many questionable decisions in the past and it also is what changed the game um, against Tottenham. Now we all know the, now the classic Romero pulling of Kukurea's hair. He 100% pulled his hair. That should have been a call. That should have been yeah. a 100% call. You can't miss that. Um, but to completely... <laughs> I understand the passion that football fans have. And I say this as an outsider, but I'm sure if I was a Chelsea supporter, I would feel the same way. Mm -hmm. But taking a step back, you make an excellent point that they should have won that game. They should have capitalized on chances. So the fact that they also lost in the 96th minute and Harry Kane, who had been sleeping the entire game. He missed a huge chance in the second half. I couldn't believe it. He found a way in the 96th minute to tie the game. And my dad has always told me this growing up playing football. He said the best and biggest players in the game could play like shit for 90 minutes, but in the last two minutes of the game, do something special to change the game around. And no one will remember that they played like shit. They'll remember the moment that changed the game. And that is exactly what Harry Kane did for Tottenham. Cause no one's talking about the fact that we didn't hear his name for the entire, for the entire match. Yeah. He showed up when in Easter. It's funny you say that. Cause I literally put in my notes, big time players made big time plays. There we go. There we go. We're on the same page. Yeah. That was funny. Um, I mean, like you said, like he was there the one who needed him. He got the point. And people were like, I I always hate this comment because people are like, oh, Chelsea treated it like a loss and Tottenham treated it like a win. It's like, yeah, because Tottenham equalized in the 96th minute of the game. Like emotions were high. They did it right in front of their own fans. Like it was just, it was different. Now I think if that goal was in the 70th minute, both teams would have been a bit calmer coming yeah. off the field. I mean, like, okay, good game, whatever. Exactly. Clap in front of your away fans, go go get on the bus. 100%. And honestly, if I'm on Tottenham, I'm treating that as a win as well, like a win as well because they probably knew that they were outplayed for the majority yeah. of the game. And they silenced them. I mean, what a gut check for Chelsea. Yeah, that was a that was a big one and I think they might that might have only been the so I think they said on the match they report that this tournament only beat them once in the last 9 mm-hmm. games. So that means they've only taken 4 points in the last 10. Like this is like kind of getting over the hurdle for them, yeah. like proving they can play with the big guys, even when they didn't play the best. They didn't play the best and they still came away with a point. Chelsea should feel like that's a loss because they should have won. Yeah. Tottenham didn't deserve a point in that game. Which is exactly why this game has set a very high expectation for me because it was so good. You watch them. A lot of Tottenham fans wrote to me on my TikTok saying, we stopped watching at 90 minutes. <laughs> Tottenham fans stopped watching at 90 minutes because yeah. they probably knew what was expected as the end result. And Harry Kane. <laughs> as, sorry, one last thing on that. As a Tottenham fan, like you've got to be happy too, knowing oh, that like you had those expectations of, oh, we don't do anything now. Like, this is it. Game's over. And now you score. It's like, okay, That's well, maybe this team's different. And Harry Kane deserves some props for that. Big, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not easy for... A, imagine you knowing you're playing like crap the entire game. It takes a level of um, strength to kind of still find the little bit left in your tank to get the job done. And yeah. he did that. Um, Kukureo, quickly, what did you think about him? I thought he was really good. I did too. I thought he had a really good game. I thought he was very effective down. He was playing on the left side. Yeah. yeah. Um, Arguably one of Chelsea's best players, if not the best player on the day, like him and Reese James. It's funny, isn't it? Like their best, it kind of speaks to the way Tuchel wants to play when his best yeah. two players on the field are his two defenders, and it's not for defending. Like they right. both played well defensively too. Like Kukurea should have 
got that foul yeah. right at the end, uh, which is wild. Also, did you see that? Rem- so Romero, Romero, I think yeah. his name is. Did yeah, you yeah. see him after Tottenham scored screaming Reese James's face? So no. we, like, if you watch the replay of Harry Kane running away celebrating, he gets right up into Reese James's face and just like screams in his face. So well, that guy Crazy. is uh, edge to him. But yeah, I think I thought Kukurea and. J- you know what? I was very curious to see how he would do after leaving Brighton. Like, exactly. it seemed like a bit of an unnecessary exactly. sign-in. But to, as an England supporter, now it's worrying that Ben Chilwell is probably not going to get in the team ahead of him. So now it kind of leaves uh, maybe my Ryan Sessegnon pick comes true. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What you said, I think, was what, episode two, episode Couple three? Episodes, yeah. Uh, no, Kukurea for me, it was fun to watch him play. I like when players try and do their best to keep the ball on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he played fast football on the pitch, yeah. kept it on the ground. If I'm being very picky, and this is because I was very impressed by him, I'd say that I want his crosses in to be just a little better because I felt like sometimes those were giveaways. Um, I think he could be a little better, but I mean, I think he did really well. Yeah. In in that position at left back. Considering the opponent too. Exactly. Next week, I think they play Leeds. So (laughs) we'll see how much dominance they put on Leeds, you know, considering they just did it to Tottenham. One more thing. Who has better hair, Grealish or Kukurea? Oh, Grealish. Yeah? Yes. Jack Grealish. I don't know. I I guess it depends on what you're going for. Do you know, it's funny, actually, you said that. So I was watching the game and I said, oh, I love hair like like him. And everyone looked at me like, why? <laughs> For who? Jack like or Kukurea? Yeah. I, I love Kukurea's hair too. I do too. I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. And then he got his hair pulled and I was like, ah, maybe not. Well, that's why they were saying an- the, the ref Anthony Taylor didn't call it because he wishes he had hair. Poor guy. Because he's yeah. bald. Oh, yeah. Right? Football fans have no no chill. There's, there was, they're zero to a hundred real quick. There is no filter. Uh, do we want to go into Manchester United now? Again, so guys, I missed, I missed this game, unfortunately, because I was playing my own big football match. But... I checked the score at halftime and I was shocked when I saw four nothing. And I and I believe the first three goals came in the first thirty minutes. I think it was done at thirty eight. I think all four goals were at thirty eight. I They're in last place, Liam. They are literally in <laughs> Manchester United is in last place. Is um Unexpected. What was the stat? Yeah, I think you posted on TikTok. Nineteen twenty one was the lot Yes. Worst. So Eric Ten Hag becomes the first manager at Manchester United to lose the first two games of the Premier League in a hundred years. The last time that happened was 1921. Oh, that is, uh, is tough. It's a heavy stat. I, I don't really know what to think because I don't know what my expectations are. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to speak, apparently. Um, I just think this team's expectations are way higher than they need to be. For Manchester United, fair, and I understand it. Thirteen-time Premier League champions, like <laughs> they should be competing at a higher level and going to Brentford and at least giving them a game. <laughs> the was game bad. was done. Like, and as I turned the TV on at about the same time that De Gea allowed that first goal, and like credit to De Gea who came after the game and was like, "It was my fault." It's like uh, it's good that you say that. Like, and I. I'm sure fans appreciate you coming out, but at some point it's like, just go do it. Just go do it. Have to. Especially when they see Dean Henderson, who is De Gea's backup. I I couldn't believe how well he played for Nottingham. He saved a penalty. Like, he was unbelievable. And then you get Manchester United who can't even defend. And there's been a yes. ton of criticism on the defense. And I, I even tweeted it was about how bad they were. But, however, at some point, there's got to be a point where you're like, okay, We've signed this defender, this defender, this defender, this defender. Like Martinez is getting a ton mm-hmm. of issues, which well, I'll get to that in a second. But at what point do you look at it and be like, okay, well, 
that goal wasn't all his fault. That was a goalie's fault. That goal was a corner. And for some reason we put our five foot nine defender on the biggest guy on the field. And like, how many times is Harry Maguire going to get blamed for something when you don't even have a defensive midfielder? Like there's so many scapegoats of Manchester United. And at the end of the day, it's a collective. Do those 11 even want to play? And secondly, when is this team going to actually buy players that they need exactly. instead of buying in the same position over and over again and thinking, oh, this should fix the issue? Yeah, 100%. I completely, Liam, you and I have the same football brain and the same kind of notes because when I see 4 nothing, of course, De Gea let in some atrocious goals yeah. that should never happen as a as a top goalkeeper. Who is regarded as the best in the Premier League at you, one point. You can't, yeah. you can't do that. However, when you see a 4 nothing score line... You know that every single player on that pitch for United played like shit. And you cannot yeah. put the responsibility on one individual. When I watched the highlights, I was absolutely flabbergasted at how United was beat to every ball. They had zero regard to, to run to anything. They were pushed off the ball. There was no physicality. And this was just highlights. I can't imagine actually watching the first half. So when you look at that, the starting 11 as a whole, needs to be held responsible. We'll talk about Eric Ten Hag in a second, but I think United is facing a potential rebuild. It's not even, you know... Here's okay, Eric Ten Hag. Let's let's get into him. He's coming <laughs> off of three very successful seasons in Ajax out of four seasons, winning three Air Divisi titles. He plays very attacking-minded football, high-intensity, good passing. He got offered the job at United, and I feel like it was a high-risk opportunity for him. Mm -hmm. He's about to go coach a United team that's coming off of one of their worst seasons in history. He could either be that glorified manager in the Premier League who turns everything around for United, or... He's going to be that manager for United that, and he's facing the position he's facing now of absolute shit show ownership, toxicity in the locker room, starting 11 that doesn't look like they want to play. And he might be grasping at straws now because he's well in over his head and he doesn't know what to do. So I think that kind of backfired for Ten Hag. And I don't know if we can put all of the pressure on him because I think you got to look at ownership and be like, do we rebuild this team at this point? Uh, yes. And I think there's multiple things with Ten Hag that I find very interesting. So yesterday... There was a report that came out that he called in the United players on a Sunday practice and they had to run the kilometer, the difference in kilometers between how much more Brentford ran than <laughs> they did. So I believe. I love that though. I believe, yeah. I, so it was 13.8 was the distance they had of, to run. Of kilometers. In the distance within the game, how much Brentford, Brentford ran 13.8 kilometers more than Manchester United. Which is crazy. Uh, you know what? I, I, excuse my language, fucking love that. Yeah. I would run my team to the ground. Ten Hag just got like 100 bonus points from me for that. So everyone, uh, the only players that weren't involved were there was no names, but like guys with injuries. Stuff yeah, like that. yeah which makes sense. Yeah. So Ronaldo was involved in this. Maguire had a lot. Good. So there's two points to this that people were making. One was like, he's a Premier League manager. Like, why is his message this? Like, what is this? Is this rec league? And it's like, but also, if you look at it from the flip side and think, okay, how many times has he tried to exactly. implement a message a different way and it hasn't worked? Now he's had to go to his resort being like, okay, well, you don't want to learn this. You don't want to learn that. You don't want to listen to this. You don't want to do this. You want to throw your hands in the air when you're playing. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, okay, well, let's go running. And you know? I love that. And you know what, Liam? When I played and we would have terrible games and the next day at practice, 
our coach did that. I tell you the, the, the next weekend that came around, we played much better yeah. we don't ever want to be in a position to run sprints again. And you know that these guys are already tired. Footballers run so much on the pitch, but I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, even you yourself, Liam are questioning certain uh, formation calls that 10 hogs making and, and positioning of players. But when he has a starting 11 and, and a group of guys in front of him and what is happening on the pitch isn't working. I feel like he has this pressure on him to maybe do something creative to fix it. And it's just all not working. So why not make them run almost 14 kilometers? I would. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting strategy, especially with Liverpool coming up this week. Like, we'll see if it worked. And if it did work, then United players might be like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have won that game because now we have to run more later on. In the season. I don't understand the rec league comment because when you're in rec league, you I understand what they're saying that, yeah. you know, like it's just. I guess more uh, like it felt amateur. But I actually I, disagree. I, I agree. Disagree as well. Cause I, I think that, hey, the message isn't getting through. But the worrisome thing now is, is like, okay, this has only been like two months of him managing this team and the message is already fading away. Well, you know what? If they lost to Brentford for nothing and they're not going to get it together by Liverpool, they'll probably lose eight, nothing to Liverpool. So yeah, might as well run them to the ground. Um, I have a couple of quick things on this. So Martinez was getting a lot of, uh, you know, he was kind of a bit of a scapegoat this weekend because yeah. people were saying his size and he couldn't do it. Uh, Javier Mascherano is shorter than Martinez <laughs> and he's regarded as one of the best players to ever play in the Premier League and he played for yep. Barcelona, went to a World Cup final. Um, I think Martinez will be fine. How about this? How about Ten Hag looks at the game sheet and thinks, wow, we're playing Ivan Tony this week who loves to head the ball and do all this stuff. Like maybe playing Martinez at centre-back isn't the best idea or maybe putting Harry Maguire more on, Marti- on uh, Tony might have been a better idea than having Martinez kind of deal with that. Like it just feels like at some point, it's like, yes, it's on the players, but also it's up to the manager to put his players in the best position to succeed. And one other player I just wanted to touch on quickly was McTominay. I question McTominay's abilities. However, I don't think you can ever question his determination to make hard tackles yes. and play aggressively, which I think is a good player to have in your team. Mm-hmm. However, Manchester United want him to run with the ball and move it around and all this kind of stuff. And so. Well, how about we allow him to do short passes right. and just be the aggressive midfielder that you need? Because right now you're just exposing him and people are just getting more and more aggravated with the things that he's doing. And when in actuality is he's not a bad player by any means. He's just being asked to play a role that he he's not good right. at. Right. Uh, I struggle with Ten Hag. I, yeah. I am too right now. and I struggle because I agree with you. I think that a coach for any team in any sport, that's why they're there. They're there to make those structural changes to also put, like you said, their players in the best position for success. But I also think that these guys who are being being paid millions of dollars, I mean, Ten Hag can't go out with a belt and smack them on their butt, right? Yeah, I mean, I maybe that's next. I don't know, but <laughs> it's- I it's, hope not. I hope not too, right? <laughs> that would be a different kind of podcast episode. But it's just- I, I feel like he is way in over his head and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any responsibility. He does. I agree with you. Mm. I think Ronaldo deserves a lot of responsibility, but it's not on all one. It's not all on one person, not all on Maguire or Ten Hag or Ronaldo or even all on ownership. This is a problem collectively top to bottom for United. That's why I'm like, is, is a rebuild the only solution? Yeah. And I made a note here when I, after the game, actually I was laying in bed. I'll be honest. Sometimes I was getting <laughs> thoughts and I'm like, I got to write that down. <laughs> so I put, 
Manchester United have now put themselves in a position that they t- have to take a chance on a player rather than a player take a chance on them all because they couldn't get the business done during the summer and now they've put themselves in a terrible situation yeah. because of their form. And I think that's fair when you look at it with like Rabio and um, the Austrian guy, I can't remember his name, uh, whatever his name was. But it's like, you look at these guys and it's like, those aren't Manchester United players. Yeah. These players on this team, like who are Manchester United players and there's a reason they're on this team and one player I did like I believe his name the new left back Malasius Mm -hmm. like came on gave an effort showed some spirit was like giving it to guys is like if he doesn't start on Monday versus Liverpool then to me Ten Hogs just not reading the situation yeah. at all. Maybe the credibility that he has a little bit about seeing these moments takes of, a hit. A bit of spirit to themselves. And even the substitutions just didn't make sense to me. It's kind of defeats my point a little bit on McTominay, but it's like, why is he coming up? Yeah. Like last week you saw what he was capable of and it wasn't good enough in that position. Give other guys a chance. Like yeah. Let people prove like you're the new manager. Everyone should want to prove themselves to you. And you've given the same lineup now basically two chances and they've not proven anything there's a couple of guys like i don't mind rashford i think he at least gives an effort and i think he really cares about being a good player for united but these other guys just like, i don't believe that you want to be here anymore and monday they have to give liverpool a game on monday they you, have to do you think there's people above 10 hog who are maybe in his ear because i always think and i again i brought this up on the 90th minute that Jose Mourinho won second place in the Prem with United. And he said that that's forever going down as one of his greatest accomplishments because people don't realize what's going on behind the scenes at United. I feel maybe being a manager at that club is tougher than it is to see as fans. I There, there has to be, right? Like I can't put a name on anybody, but you have to imagine there's, a, there's something going on there that's, that's not right. That's not traditionally how a football team should be ran. Because obviously teams have gone through this. Like Liverpool mm-hmm. went through it for a little bit. Then they got Klopp and they turned it around. Like Arsenal, like Arsenal at the start of the season like this too with Arteta and they trusted the process and now yep. we'll talk about them in a little bit. They're arguably a contender for the league if they keep playing the way they do. And it's like, if I'm a Manchester United fan, yes, I'm extremely frustrated with mm-hmm. what's happening. But you also have to think, okay, Look at this team. It's not where it should be. Let's just, you got to support them. Like, and I know it's tough when you lose 4-0 to Brentford away and you lose in your first home game of the season to Brighton. But at the end of the day, this team is lacking great confidence. And yeah. They're not going to get that back where they come over and applaud you, which I always think is quite ironic at the end of a game after a loss. And everyone's just stood there, just flipping them off and yelling and everything. It's like, who, like, who wants to see that? Like Frankie De Jong's gonna look at that picture and be like, "Nah, no I'm way good. Frankie De Jong's coming." No, he doesn't even have to watch the field. He doesn't even have to watch the game. You should just see the pictures of how the players are treated. And like, I get it. You guys are frustrated, and it's being taken out on them. And like, I guess who else are you gonna take it out on? But it's like at the end of the day, like they're your club. Like. Try and support them. 100%. The only thing I try and have empathy for with United fans is, is when you go and watch a game and the guys aren't even trying to get to the ball first. If there's a lack of effort, I'm like, why am I here at this game? Why am I wasting, forget money. Why am I wasting my time? That's where I feel like maybe United fans are are at a point of just 
complete and utter frustration. And I do think that that's valid, but I also am on the same train as you, Liam, of that's your club. That's a club that you've supported for a while now, and you're going to support till your last day. So you have to take a step back and understand, like, it's about the long game, not necessarily just this moment in time. Yeah. In the um, Mountain Dew jerseys. Yeah. In the Mountain Dew jerseys. God, <laughs> let's not have a conversation about that. <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, <laughs> another team that I feel maybe Manchester United's making so many headlines that this isn't talked about enough. Liverpool have tied their first two matches of the season that they clearly should have won. And maybe the pitch is just too dry wherever they go. Did you, did you hear there was a comment made about the pitch? Like within the first five minutes. By Klopp? No, no, no. The commentators were like, uh, <laughs> oh, this pitch is moving fast. Yeah. Like unlike Fulham last week. Is like, really? Now you guys are going to bring it up? I love Klopp's comments. I think he's very strategic. Just like we said, An- Ancelotti knows what he's doing with his resting B face. Klopp knows what he's doing about with his post-game match uh, comments. I think he... He's a smart manager, of course. Um, Nunes started his first game. Controversial, to say the least. Okay, tell me what you think about that. I think Nunes lost his head. Well, evidently, obviously. Um, he. So, I, I obviously, I when I watched it, I didn't watch it live. I knew what had happened. Mm-hmm. So, I was like watching the battle between him and Anderson. And Anderson was just playing him physical the entire game. Like, yeah. really giving it to him. And nothing too crazy like just little pushes after the whistle and like just being on him and you could see Nunez's frustration gradually grow. Yep. grow and then lost it is cool like even what Anderson did was was nothing like he, he was physical on him you're playing the best team in, one of the best teams in the league in Europe and you're Crystal Palace like you got to do whatever you get to, to do to get an edge and that's what Anderson was doing and Nunez just he exposed his greatest weakness, which is clearly that he can't contain his emotions. And if I'm another team, like, first of all, I think Nunes is going to be out for like three or four I games, think that's what they said, yeah, five. three, yeah. Um, if you're another team, you're just looking at it thinking like, okay, well, I'm going to do this to him yeah. too. Like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to get that edge. And if you're a Klopp, like how... I'm curious to see how you approach it. Like, cause even James Milner in his post game was like, we weren't there for him. And it's like, 
but what are you supposed to do? Like, right. Because as a player who's played in that league for a while, it was nothing out of the ordinary. Right. Well, Van Dyke said, you know, it's unfortunate it happened, but he has to learn from it. So I'm sure he has the support of his teammates, but again... I think he knows what he did was wrong. I kind of agree with you, kind of going in a different direction. So this is good. I want to start this off by saying I don't agree with what Nunez did. I completely think that he let his emotions get the best of him. He absolutely fell into Anderson's trap and Anderson played him like a fiddle all game. Yep. Anderson got the job done that he wanted to with Nunez. But in the situation where the quote unquote headbutt came in, at what point does a ref take a step back and be like, give them both cards because Anderson provoked him. If Anderson's not doing that in that moment, I don't know if Nunez is going in for a headbutt like he did. I, when I watch stuff like that, I get so frustrated because Nunez makes the sport look bad. Anderson going down like a ton of bricks is embarrassing to the sport. So you got the two of them. At what point does the ref go to Nunes and say, get out of here and chill out and go to Anderson and say, if you want to drop like that, go to Hollywood and don't play in the prem because this is bad for the sport. Again, Nunes lost his cool. I never condone that. But the situation as a whole, I think, deserved a little bit more accountability. And to anyone who's comparing that to Zidane... Oh, my God. ...needs to take a step back and look at the situation objectively because Zidane literally put a hole through a man's chest, and that did not happen with Nunez and Anderson. This is coming from someone who does not care about Liverpool or Crystal Palace. This is just coming as from, from a football fan who sits there and wonders how did, if refs don't start taking accountability for the situation, it's going to keep happening. And I believe we saw this, Liam, uh, in a Canadian qualifying match uh, for the World Cup. I forget who Canada was playing. I think it was uh, Panama. Maybe. Because I know which one you're going to say, and the Canada player got a red card, right? It drove me crazy. I... I I don't like seeing that shit ever. Um, and the Anderson thing, the diving thing, I completely agree, was just over the top for Anderson considering he was being as physical as he was. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he necessarily did anything illegal, but he he was being the physical, hard, tough yep. defenseman. And then you get, like, he had bite him, clearly. And then that, you kind of acted it down, like you said, and it's just like, ah, oh, man, that's just such a bad image for you as a player as well. That's where I struggle. That's where I struggle. Nunez was provoked. He retaliated, which is never acceptable. But for Anderson to drop like a fish in the sea, I just have such a hard time. The Premier League is such a tough league and you're doing that? Why? And then he complains after the game because a ton of Liverpool fans, and this is unacceptable, are sending him horrible social media messages. But just be better in the situation. Nunez headbutts you. You're pissed off. Go to the ref. Go to VAR and take it like a champ. There's no reason to flop. And the thing is, too, is you don't even need to flop. You don't. Like you said, like they have VAR. You can see it <laughs> right there and then. And it, it was just weird. And he got what he wanted. Like Anderson was playing a whole game to like to get Nunez to do something. Headbutt, probably not. But <laughs> something. He was trying to get in his head and throw him off a game. And he did exactly what he wanted to do. And... Sorry, do you have one more point? No, I, I I totally agree with you. When we look at it from that perspective, I feel like there's many angles of this situation. Yeah, uh, Anderson was brilliant. 
she he, was good. She outsmarted him yeah. because he was up his ass all game. Mm-hmm. But again, like a defender should. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I would play, I remember I was at, uh, it was in the World Cup. I was playing Colombia and the Colombian women were so good at sneakily being dirty, uh, respectfully. They, they, they would step on your toes at a corner kick. They'd pull your hair when they can. Uh, so... Anderson should be doing that. And I love what you said. He exposed a part of Nunez's game that I think other teams and managers are going to look at now and say, if we can get him to be 10 out of 10 red hot, he's going to do something that can potentially get him kicked out of the game. And we need to um, expose that all game long. Because he was even... I think Wayne Rooney's a decent example. Like I think he was able to contain it a little bit more, but everybody knew the way to get him off his game mm-hmm. a little bit was to kind of get under his skin. Yeah. And Rooney played just hard anyway, but there's a little exposure in his game there. Um, to move away from the Nunes deal, it was kind of funny how much better Liverpool played with 10 men than oh 11. And like I actually thought Nunes played well. Like I thought he, he brings a different element to that mm-hmm. Liverpool team. And you can just see it's taken him time to get him involved. And like, like I said, it was his first start. Right. But when he came on against Foley, made an impact, scored a goal. Yesterday, he hit the post. Like, he's a good player. And yep. I think he's way better than people were valuing him at. I think, actually, people were quite aggressive on how low a standards they gave to him. Um, he's a good player. It's going to take Liverpool a bit of time to get him in, involved, especially now that he's suspended. Um, I thought Harvey Elliott was great mm-hmm. for Liverpool in the midfield, another good England player. Um, I'm excited to see what he gets going and doing for them because with Thiago out, like this is kind of his time yep. to shine. And also, I just want to give a bit of credit to Crystal Palace <laughs> because <laughs> Absolutely. they don't want to play that kind of football. They're not that team anymore. They've been in the Premier League for 10 years and not there for survival anymore. They're there to have a good finish, like finish in the top half, push for Europe yeah. if they can. Probably not, but it's an expectation, I suppose. And they just sat back and took it. And just gave it everything they had, just wasted as much time as they could, did whatever. And I just want to give credit to them being not ashamed to do whatever it took right. to get a point. And now they've they've played two very tough teams in the first few weeks. And I think they've put in two very good performances. Uh, 100% agree, Liam. I think that's a, a great point. I also just quickly want to touch on, because we got to move on, how in two games Van Dyke has been exposed for atrocious defending. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not playing like him. And one thing I was kind of thinking about on that end was I wonder how much those like Liverpool played every single game possible yeah. this season it feels like it's catching up to the team as a whole and maybe even Van Dyke a little bit. Well, Van Dyke's also coming off of that ACL injury, right? Yeah. So he might be hurting and that's absolutely valid. But I mean, I feel so bad for him when he gets beat 1v1, his feet are stuck in mud, he can't move them. And he also just doesn't tackle for the ball, which then makes me wonder, is there something deeper going on with Van Dyke that we're just not aware of? Maybe he's limiting himself in those tackles so he doesn't injure himself. I don't know. But also his volley in the box that he whiffed on is becoming a meme on social media. There's just little moments here and there where I say to myself, this isn't the Van Dyke that I knew and watched play when he was nominated for a Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And I think that's so tough for me to watch him now. But again, how many two games into into the season? It's not the end of the world. Van Dyke very well could be one of the top players in the Prem by by the end of the season. But just one of my uh, something I've noticed in the first two games for Liverpool. So, 
a quick question on the title race in two weeks into the season. So City won 4-0 against Bournemouth, absolutely dominated them. Like, there's not really a lot to talk about. Haaland got two complete passes. One of them was off the kickoff and one was to Gundogan as a goal. (laughs) So that was quite funny. Um, What do you think? Like, City have six points and Liverpool are now four points behind with two. Like, first of all, do you think it's just those two now that we should, like, is that the race or... Are other teams involved, do you think? I think right now it's hard to rule out Arsenal, Chelsea, and Tottenham. I want you to talk about Arsenal. I think City, for me, I I, I put my prediction in for Real Madrid winning Champions League. I think the only team that can disrupt that at this point in time is City. Mm -hmm. So City has to be my top pick for the Prem. I believe I even tweeted that uh, before they had, you know, their first two wins of the season for people who are saying I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I think Chelsea's in the mix because I I really like the way... Chelsea has intense football. I think that'll get them far. Uh... I would never not bet on Liverpool. So, I mean, Liverpool's always going to be in the conversation and Manchester United, just kidding. (laughs) That was a joke, guys. Don't come for me. Uh, I want to know more about Arsenal because I feel like we're at a point in time where Arsenal fans have something to look forward to, which we haven't been able to say for many years. The way they're playing football right now makes me believe that they can actually win the league, which is... I couldn't... I didn't even have that many Champions League spot. It's... They just so fluid in their attack like yep. everything going forward seems like a threat and they're just getting they're getting the best out of players like I've not seen Granite Xhaka play football like this for a long time he's making great runs from the midfield and I think having Thomas Party there and like the way they play the fullbacks is inverted fullbacks is yeah. allowing in that bit more freedom freedom Gabriel Jesus might be the best player in the Premier League right now wow like, statement yeah that seems hot but I'm pretty sure he has two goals and two assists in the first two games like his goal against Leicester to open a score was crazy like if you had a chance to watch it and you haven't like he's basically just on a dime and just chips it right over like not just it's not just him and the goalie one-on-one he has to like get it around a defender as well it's like it's Brazilian football skills it was crazy and like to think he's going to be at a world cup with Neymar next to him and and you know Brazil stacked yeah Vinny Jr like (laughs) I just can't wait to watch him there Um, Martinelli was great for Arsenal probably again one of the best players I've seen play but I think the best thing for Arsenal is they're just playing so confidently and Mm -hmm. so freely and like Crystal Palace gave him a bit of a run for the money last week but they still found a way to win Leicester who's in a weird spot right now like Leicester's a good team and they just made him they expose them quite well and found the holes and just, I don't think they cared who they played. Like they yeah. just played their game. And if I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm thinking like, holy moly, like let's bring on like a good team here and like see where we're at. You know, like I, I'm not sure what their upcoming schedule is, but I'm excited to see them play against a team that's kind of on that same level and bring some competition and be like, okay, bring it on. You know, I want to see them at the best. Yeah, maybe we'll get another WrestleMania match. Yes. Can you imagine? What day is it today? Today 16th. is the 16th. So what uh, do we got here for Arsenal? United on the 4th. They got Aston Villa. I'm curious to think about what you th- Aston Villa. Gerard got the win. Yeah, which was big for him. They played well. I didn't catch the whole game. I just, the first half of some highlights, but they got a lot of players. They got a lot of good players on that team. And Villa should be a team looking for European qualification this right. season. Having a good cup run and doing all that kind of stuff and they can do it. And I, I do believe in Gerard. I, I want to make sure that's clear, but right now it's, you're looking at it like, okay, well 
you know, like, like work still has to yeah, be done. Like the, so Arsenal played Villa at the end of August on the 31st, which will be a good one. The first real big test, which is funny because I'm just going to go right over United is <laughs> Tottenham Arsenal. That'd be a October nice first. So put that one on the calendars. First North Oof. London derby this season. Then they play Liverpool. And I was about to say back oh, to back Tottenham and Liverpool. And, so and then they got Leeds in between Man City. Yeah, so it'll be Tottenham, Liverpool, Leeds, City. So maybe they have enough games to uh, keep consistency and keep playing together as a cohesive unit to take on what would be the top teams in the Prem right now. They definitely, yeah, because they have Bournemouth, Fulham, Villa, United, Everton, like Brentford. So that's a good run of games to get some results. Yeah. Like, let's see how they do. Jesus, if he keeps going, like he could score 20 plus goals this season. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be an Arsenal fan and good for them. Like, Dave, if you're a Manchester United fan, look at Arsenal right now. They've been through the shitter, yeah. and <laughs> to put it politely. And now they're at the other end of it, and they're looking like, okay, they're real. They'll probably get Champions League this year if they keep going. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. So, mm. And what a time to be alive to be a football fan because we're getting all these crazy moments, and for especially for us on Kicked Back because we get to talk about them. Okay, to end off the episode, happy birthday to the Premier League, 30 years old, 30. yesterday. Yes. So let's do our favorite Premier League moments ever. Okay, so my I have two. I'll do a Bolton one and a non-Bolton one. Of course, okay. So my non-Bolton one is Wayne Rooney's goal versus Newcastle. Okay. And the reason I remember is because it was on my birthday, okay. April 24th. I can't remember what year, but it was, it was just such a crazy moment, like volley right into the corner and it, it'll always stick with me. And the second one is from 2003 when Bolton Wanderers, future captain at this point, JJ Kocher, so good they named him twice. <laughs> <laughs> His 49th birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, JJ. I know you're listening. Um, we love goal, you. <laughs> goal against West Ham. So that season, Bolton finished 17th. I need the last day mm-hmm. of the season to stay up. And he just went on a tear the last 10 games of the season. Basically, his entire highlight reel is just from that last bit. And there was a goal he scored against West Ham where he just ran through the entire team from basically the end of the Bolton box and just it was unbelievable and just kind of helped push Bolton to the next step and you know they start getting Europe after that and he was I think that run he was able to put together was really the starting point to take him to the next level so that's my favorite moment and then Rooney's my second favorite a true a true fan there you go um Guys, I'm a big David Beckham fan. Huge. So uh, when I was playing, I always looked up to him and I would try and find his best goals. And one of the ones that I think is most iconic for me is when he scored from half. Yes. Remember that? Yes, that was crazy. I think why I love that so much was one, he was young. I think he was in his early 20s. And two, for a player to catch a keeper off of his line like that at half. No one's expecting Beckham to take that shot. For his football IQ to be like, oh, I'm going to test him. But to actually execute it. To do it. To, to not only see it, but to, to, to physically be able to do that. He is one of the best in the entire world, in the entire sport at that skill set. Yeah. And then to be able to just pick up your head and, and hit that ball right where it needs to be. He Beckham was so money with his crosses or switching the point of attack or getting those balls in the back of the net. Just something I think as a holding center midfielder, because I always had to switch the point of attack quite often. I'd always think, man, Beckham would be, he was so good at that. Yeah. You know? It's uh 
so I, I'm reading Sir Alex Ferguson's book right now, and he, he said in the book, he's like, no one ever worked harder than Beckham. I'd love to hear he's that. Like he was, he was definitely the guy who wanted the publicity when he was out and about and wanted the cameras I on him. That. But when it came time to play in and being at the training pitch, like he was, he was all in. He was dialed in. I think sometimes he got a bit of a bad reputation, so it was kind of good to see guys were on his side. I. I I think that's another reason why I loved Beckham is because he transcended football. He was one of the first guys to really become a pop culture icon. He took risks. He, and I love that. Yeah. And until this day, that's why he's such a successful businessman. And you still know about David. His name is probably brought up just as much today uh, in the football world, you know, in major league soccer. But you'd always want to know what haircut he had. Oh, he shaved his head today. Oh, he dyed his hair bleach blonde. Oh, he has the mohawk or ripped jeans or there's him in posh. They were just such icons. And then of course, you know, everything he did on the field, I'm obsessed with him. So, so I won't say anything bad. J, uh, JJ, um, Beckham is your favorite <laughs> Premier League player? I, I would have to say yes, just because when I was young, I, I tried to I tried to connect my my long ball passes like him. I would always try and keep the ball in the pitch as much as I could. But whenever I did hit a long direct ball, I thought I need to I need it to work like Beckham's. Yeah, bend it like Beckham. Bend it like Beckham. Exactly. They literally made a movie about how good he could bend it. Oh, uh, my favorite player was JJ Kocha by far. <laughs> Who's listening? Who's listening? <laughs> there's like so many other Bolton players. Like Kevin Davis was great. You're a joke, Kev. But I, I, away from Bolton. I really like John Franco Zola and okay. uh, Janino when he was on Middlesbrough Giannino. when yeah. I was growing up. Those were kind of the first two guys because they were just so so talented with the ball. They were just really fun to watch. And as a little kid, you don't really care who wins or loses. You just want to see something fun happen. And I guess like nowadays, kind of moving through like Rooney, obviously, was such an icon. Um, even like Harry Kane. I loved Harry Kane. Well, I still love Harry Kane. But one player... I liked, which is a bit out there, I suppose, was Joe Cole. Okay. I, I don't know what it was about him. He just had that little flair, and I, I liked that. And I'll never forget the goal. It's not even a Premier League moment, but he scored against Sweden in the yeah. 2004 Euros, I believe it was. Like, kind of chipped it up for himself and just right over the goalie from quite a distance. And I feel like it's a bit of an under, underappreciated moment at Euros because the game ended 2-2, but so... Yeah, he was kind of my out there pick for guy I like to watch. How about Peter Crouch? I love Peter Crouch. <laughs> I love Peter Crouch. I remember too. actually, so my, <laughs> when he played for Southampton, my dad and I went to, went to Southampton to watch and Peter Crouch came on and I had never heard of him before. I was, this was like 2004 or five, something Who like that. Who was this guy? And I was like, Who, why is he so big? Like footballers aren't that big. And my dad's like, well, this guy is. And he said a couple of other things. And yeah. people, it was just funny, like kind of, because that was the early stage of his career. And he turned out to be like yeah. a great football player. I, 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 I love, love him. him. Too. Uh, quickly, in Fergie's book, does he mention when he threw the boot at Beckham's face? Yes, he does talk about it. <sighs> I can't remember. Iconic exactly moment, was, hey? But yeah, it was kind of like, he didn't direct it at Beckham. He just kicked it. And of course it hit the guy whose cameras. Please. I feel like Fergie has way better accuracy than he's leading yeah, on. That actually, was directed at Beckham. Yeah. It, it's a good buck. If you want to read a good buck, I would read that one. Okay, perfect. All right, guys, this has been episode four of kicked back. Liam, what do we have on the table for next episode? We'll hit on the Ballon d'Or because Messi has been left off of the short list. Yeah. We'll have some takes on that. Um, Champions he, League a little bit this okay. week. Maybe we'll lock in on that. We'll talk about some Canadian players. I think Syria. We yes, to touch we on. have to. 
and uh, also drama in PSG because yeah, there's been some drama in PSG. So we, we promise to go outside of our Premier League bubble and start heading into other European football. But uh, there was just way too much. We, we were too excited to talk about today that we couldn't let it wait. So next episode, we'll see you there, guys. And thanks for listening. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th Minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time.